I'm not going to be using the uh, overhead as it turns out today, so if you didn't bring your Bible, you're going to have to listen closely as I read some scriptures. If you have your Bibles with you, that old-fashioned thing called the Bible, and as everybody reaches for their iPads and telephones with the scriptures in it. You know, as we were singing about the presence of God, sensing the presence, feeling the presence, I sometimes think we, we throw phrases like that around and we really have no idea what that means or what it would look like or feel like. And I want to just share with you this morning, uh, first thought was, that came to my mind was, when the presence of God is the love of God. I know there can be lots of different aspects of his presence, but the love of Christ. And I think when brothers and sisters in Christ gather together, his presence should be sensed. It should be evident by the love of Christ in his church, in his people. And we sang then about breaking every chain. You know, what does it take to break the chains of bondage? I came back to the same answer. The love of Christ. Jesus died that we might be set free of all bondages. And the reason Jesus went to the cross, most of us grew up in churches where we may not have memorized many scriptures, but we learned one in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. The motivating factor, love. For God so loved the world. The ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate gift of love. Yesterday we, we had the wedding for Ronnie and Sonia, and they actually chose, this will shock you, 1 Corinthians 13, chapter four, or verse 4. The love chapter, for those of you that are familiar with it. And, and as I shared just a little bit on it yesterday, um, one of the things that struck me was how often I've read that, how often I've shared it or talked about it at weddings, how, how I don't know that I've looked at it from the perspective of it is a definition of Jesus' love, Christ's love for us. I'm usually talking about how it's going to be impossible in our own flesh, our own nature, to love like this. You know, think about it in verse 4. Love is patient. I blow that real quickly. Love is kind. Callie, I'm going to confess all the way through this thing, so I'll just do it up front. I'm missing on all of these. Love is kind. It's not jealous. It doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It doesn't act unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. Gee, it doesn't keep score. Imagine that. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This kind of love never fails. This love of Christ, perfect love, the agape love of Jesus, never, ever fails. And I usually look at that and I'm encouraging the, the couple getting married that this is the reason you need to rely on God. And boy, that's absolutely true. But this morning as I was rereading it, it was more like, there it is. There's the love of Jesus. Jesus' love never, ever fails. His love is always patient and kind. And as I go through that, 
And that struck me especially that he doesn't keep score. You know, the love of the Lord, perfect love, is, I used this phrase yesterday, it's not a, a carrot on a stick type of love. Where I'll love you if, I'll love you because. No, it's just I love you. He just loves us. And then I want to read in Ephesians. Because I'm trying to grab a hold of this love because we all talk about it. We all use the phrase, throw it around a lot. And there's a verse that we'll look at in just a few minutes that says, perfect love casts out all fear. And most of our bondages and most of our strongholds are fear-based. We're in fear of things of the future, things that, that are, are, haven't even happened yet, but we're, we walk in fear. And I'm thinking, Galilee, if perfect love casts out that fear, we must not understand perfect love. I must not know how to embrace it, walk in it, live in it. And I realize it's probably a challenge because Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, in his, in his prayer, he prayed that they may understand about the love of God. He prayed this way. He says, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner man, through the Spirit that lives in us. We might be strengthened. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Stirring up our spirit that Christ dwells in our hearts through faith. And then he says that you being rooted and grounded in love. Again, every time you see this word love and what I'm sharing today, it's that agape love. It's, it's that love that you can't earn that comes from God that you might be grounded in love and that you may be able to comprehend. There it is again. He's praying that they get it. That you may comprehend with all the saints what it is. The breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth. And then he goes on and says, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And I realize when he says that you may know the love of Christ, he could be referring that you'd be saved, but I believe he's already speaking to brothers and sisters in Christ. So what I think he is saying is, I want you to know God. Help them to comprehend. Help them to understand. Help them to know the love of Christ. To know what it is. That they can walk in the love of Christ. That it may be completed in them, perfected in them. That they can be set free of all the bondage that even my church, even my people still are walking in, that they need not walk in. Paul's praying, knowing that troubles are going to come, persecution's going to come, false teachers are going to come, trials and tribulations are going to come. But Lord, I pray that they would know just how deep, how wide, how high your love is. That no matter what trial comes, the love of Christ Knowing the love of Jesus. And what I want to share primarily from is found in 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to work my way through starting with verse 7. And as I said, I'll read the, some of the verses as I go. But 
It says this in verse 7. Beloved, he's talking to believers, I believe, brothers and sisters. And he says, beloved, let's love one another. You know, he's writing to this to a church. And it makes you wonder, what was going on in that church? Anybody ever have any disagreements or problems in a church? <laughs> Seems like it's a breeding ground. Because the enemy hates the church. He wants to destroy it. And he says, let us love one another. Then he says, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Everyone who loves. He isn't just talking, therefore, about what the world refers to as love. He, you know, some people, I, you know, I know God, I love my parents. I know God, I love my spouse. I know God, I love my kids. Therefore, according to the Scripture, everyone who loves, loves God, knows God. No, that's not what he's saying. Everyone who has this kind of love, this, this love from me, knows me. In other words, the only way you can actually live, walk, and exhibit this kind of love is if you're getting it from me. You'd have to know God. It's way beyond being a really nice person and being really friendly and kind and liking people. It's the love of God. He says then, the one who does not love does not know God. Wow. The one who doesn't love this way doesn't know God. What way? Well, we're going to look at that. He's going to show us that, that kind of love that's supposed to be represented in his church, in his kids. And then he says these words, For God is love. God doesn't just love. He is love. It's his essence. It's who he is. If you know God, the love of God lives in you. Because He is love. Therefore, we should love one another. Brothers, love one another. goes on in verse 9. But this is the love of God. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. The love of God manifested in us, made real to us that He offered up His Son to die on that cross for us. Verse 10 says, In this is love. Now, it's not that He's saying this is the only way it can be manifested. He's saying, here's the ultimate. Here is the ultimate example. The highest expression of love. Not that we loved God but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins. I think we understand, or at least we say these things, that you know Jesus loved us and He loved us before we were all cleaned up and perfect. I think most of us would say that and we'd agree to that. But the reality is we don't live like that. We don't live like that. We live like we're continually trying to earn His favor, to earn His love. And that keeps us in bondage. And I realize that a lot of us grew up in religious environments or maybe in very controlling environments where everything that we recognized or thought of as love came contingent upon doing certain things. And that's hard garbage to get rid of. 
But God is love, and the manifestation of it, the purest, highest expression of it was, while you and I were still sinners, condemned to death, headed to hell, we were just one breath from being condemned forever. Forever. Nothing you could do about it. Some of your lives, my lives, we look better than others. Some of them look worse than others. But it didn't matter. They were all condemned. And he says, I'm going to rescue you. Jesus came on that rescue mission to save us, rescue us. It says he was the propitiation. He was, he was our substitute. He was the acceptable sacrifice. He met the justice of God. So I don't have to die. You didn't have to die. He died that highest expression of love. And then it says in verse 11, Beloved, if we get that, he says, Beloved, if God loved us like that, we ought to love, and if you don't have your Bible in front of it, the logical thing might be to say, we ought to love him. And we should, but that's not what it says. He says, Beloved, if God loved us that way, we ought to love one another. That's what he says. Why does he say that? Why does he say we should love one another? I mean, it just would seem so obvious. He's talking about what Jesus did for you and me, and he manifested this love in this most high expression of love by dying for me. Therefore, I ought to love him. While it's true, that's not the words. It's love one another. And we'll see why. But if you think of what we've just read already, if God loves, if, if God lives in us, if we know God, it's demonstrated by love. Therefore, we ought to love others, our brothers, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 12 says, No one has beheld God at any time. Okay? But then what he says is this, If we love one another... God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. Now, none of us are perfect yet, right? So what does it mean, His love is perfected in us? I believe His ultimate goal is achieved. Its desired result is achieved, that we would love others like Christ loved us. We haven't beheld God. Okay, why does He throw that in there? No one's beheld God. No one's seen God. Because I think He's letting us know that as we demonstrate the love of Christ... They're seeing God in us. They're seeing God through us. When you love your brothers and sisters unconditionally, no strings attached. He says this in verse 13, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. By this we know that we abide in Him. Wouldn't you like to know that you're saved? I talk to people all the time that just hope they're saved. Sometimes Christians, we live and act like we're not sure we're saved. One of the ways we can know we're saved, that we can know that God abides in us, is the love of God abides in us. We love brothers and sisters in Christ unconditionally. We're not keeping score. And then he went on and he says, He has given us of His Spirit, the fruit of His Spirit, love, joy, peace, etc. It's manifested in us. We, by the love of Christ, demonstrate to the world the love of Jesus. And it says perfected simply because 
He's achieved, or it has achieved its desired result in us. He died to save us from our sins. But that's not all. He died, saved us from our sins, that we might be the ambassadors of Christ. That we might be His representatives. And when we're not walking in love, we're not a very good representative. You know, churches that are full of strife and envy are dead churches. You want to be a live church, a vital church, a church that people come to and want to come to and will drive 20, 30, 40, 50 miles to go to? The love of Christ. Let them feel the presence of God. The love of Jesus. And I've shared this with you before and I share it again as an encouragement. One of the things visitors tell me more often than anything else what first attracted them to the church after they visited that first time was they felt so welcomed and loved. That's the presence of God in a church. If that goes away, we may as well not be here because we are not abiding in Him. Loving brothers and sisters. It sounds like a catchphrase to love people into the kingdom, but it's the truth. We love them into the kingdom. How do you think you and I got into the kingdom? He loved us into the kingdom, and for many of us, he used somebody else to demonstrate his love to draw us. Somebody loved you enough and cared about you enough to tell you the truth about Jesus. And we got removed from that precipice of hell. We're saved. We can live a life free. Verse 14 And we beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world, and that whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and Him in God. Now, verses like that can be so mishandled. All i got to do is confess, therefore I confess Jesus Christ is the Son of God, there I'm saved. No, that's not all it means. It means if you truly, heartfelt, believe it and say it, you're saved. But there's a lot of cheap, inexpensive prayers that go up and say, well, that's all i got to do. Amen. Jesus is the Son of God. I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to go live like hell until I get there. No. You know, John, if you read the Gospel of John and you read John's writings, you know he, he emphasizes over and over and over and over a four-letter word, love. Just in this section of Scripture, he just reiterates over and over the love of Jesus. The love of the Lord. The love of the Father. Verse 16. And we have come to know and we have believed the love which God has for us. I get a little encouragement from him having to write that. This is John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, saying, we have come to know and have believed that the love which God has for us It seems to me it was a process for them too. But he says this again, and he repeats this from earlier in this section of Scripture. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and and God abides in him. This idea that God is love needs to be and should be much more than a nice, sweet-sounding phrase. It should be a truth that will get us and sustain us through any trial, any test that might come our way. 
Whatever you go through, whatever I go through, that reality that God is love and He loves me and He abides in me and lives in me should be a sustaining truth. God's not, not going to forsake us. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to lead us into something that's going to bring destruction in our lives. It should sustain us, this simple truth that God is love. God loves us. We love Him. And we're to love others. That's His plan. God is love. He loves us. We love Him. Love others. And if you go through this section of Scripture, it doesn't work any other way and if that doesn't fit you or me, it seems to say quite clearly that God doesn't abide in us. We need to love as He loves us. Heaven is filled with love. going to be nothing but pure love. God is love. Imagine that. Well, we'll never create heaven on earth. But there should be a difference amongst God's people. You want that taste of heaven. Experience the love of Christ through God's people. It's an awesome thing. You know, I don't think I hear much finer compliments about someone else when someone comes up to me and says, you know, I just like being around so-and-so. They just love people. They love me, and I'm a mess. God loves us all, and we're to love like He loves. Verse 17 By this, speaking of God's love and the fact that He is love, he says, by this love is perfected with us. John's repeating himself again. He's saying it's completed in us. In other words, the love that God gives us when He moves in and lives in us by His Holy Spirit isn't that the mission, the goal isn't accomplished until we love others. Until then, it's like there's this reservoir of power in us called the love of Christ. And until we release it and love our brothers and sisters in Christ, the dam is not releasing. And he's saying it will be perfected. It will be completed when it's released. God's desired. We want to please God, right? That's what Christians want to do. We want to please God. Well, if we want to please God, here's one of the things we need to do. Release His love. Let His goal be completed in us and through us. And when we have this kind of love, we can have such confidence. The rest of verse 17 says this, but this love is perfected with us. Then listen to this, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as He is, so also are we in the world. My point is, we don't have to fear anything. Anything. He uses the day of judgment as his example. The church and people, Christians, are so bound in fear, the world's filled with fear. Fear is promoted all the time. Watch the news. What are they promoting? The more fear it can generate, the more people watch it. Fear drives people. It keeps us in bondage. We live in fear. Fear of all kinds. Fear of ruin. Fear of relationships. Fear of death. Maybe even, as John is saying, fear of judgment day. But he says, those who fear is not perfected in love. In other words, 
God's love has not been completed in them. We don't have to fear. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. And this is the verse that caught my attention this morning. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Probably have heard that verse. Maybe you've even quoted that verse. Perfect love casts out fear. Too often what I do is I think if I can just love somebody enough, they don't have to be afraid. It's not what it means. It says when that love, the love of Christ in me, that love when it's completed in me and I'm releasing it, I have nothing to fear. I don't have to fear judgment day. I don't have to be fear standing before the throne. I don't have to fear what's coming down the road a week from now, a month from now, six months from now. I don't have to fear those things. And as soon as we get that in our spirit, all of those chains that are keeping us in bondage, all those strongholds are broken. Because God's, the enemy of God, Satan, uses lies and deceptions and our fears to keep us in bondage. And as long as we're walking in that kind of fear, living in that fear, we're, we're very ineffective for the kingdom of God. And our life isn't very abundant we're not living the abundant life. There is no fear in that kind of love. It's a perfect love to God. Fear of future events. Boy, it is so easy nowadays. And I think it's probably been this throughout history. We're just living in the nowadays. We're so fearful of future events. People are becoming million dollar or million booksellers or whatever you want to call it. Writing books about fear. How to prepare for fear. I sit and work on my computer and all these little things come up. What are they called? Pop-ups. Thank you. All these little pop-ups come up. Watch this video. Read this article. And every single one of them are playing on man's fears. I have discovered if I invest in the right things, by reading the right books, I've got it made. If I put enough food in my basement have enough guns in my closet and enough bullets, I've got it made. I don't have enough money to do all that. I'm in trouble. Or I could say, wait a minute, I serve the God of the universe who created all things. He wrote the first act, he's wrote the last act, and he knows what it's all going to turn out like. And he is love and he loves me. I'm his child. I'll take care of my kids. I'll bet he'll take care of his. That doesn't mean I get stupid. That doesn't mean I don't do wise things. That doesn't mean I'm not a good steward. That doesn't mean I don't prepare for things when I know something's coming. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean you get dumb. It means you get peace. I can live in peace. I don't have to worry. He's going to take care of me because he loves me. And we should be manifesting that love to everybody, every brother and sister around us. That they can come around. You know, you ever have a brother or sister in Christ, you're almost nervous to get around them? You, you kind of feel like they're just looking at you and judging you or condemning you. Now, you might just be paranoid, but they might be doing that. That should never happen in the church. We should not have to be paranoid in the church. We should be transparent and vulnerable because we are amongst people who love one another unconditionally. Well, none of us are perfect. We're all flawed. We're all going to hurt people's feelings. We're all going to say dumb things, do dumb things. But if there is love, this perfect love, it will overcome all that. 
And, and I tell you, it is such an attractive thing. It is such an attractive thing. You know, <clears throat> yeah, the things that pop in my head. I, I spent like 50 bucks on a four-ounce bottle of cologne. I'm not even sure it smells good. <laughs> you can let me know if you get close enough. <laughs> Why would anybody do that? And I realize some of you spend a lot more. That's a lot to me. Well, part of it is you want to you smell good so people want to be around you, right? Love people. Save 50 bucks. <laughs> Love people. They'll want to be around you. If you, if you want to be alone and have private time, don't love people. You got it made. No one will hang around with you. But if you love people, what drew the people to Christ? He, he came with a message that the religious people did not want to hear. Who wanted to hear it? Those who were the lesser according to the world's standards. I'm so glad I was one of the lesser and that He extended His grace towards us. Finish verse 18. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Verse 19. We love because He first loved us. That's why we do it. He first loved us. And again, it's not an obligatory thing. If you read that statement, you go, we love because He loved us. Okay, I gotta love you. I don't like you much, but I gotta love you. No. He loved us first. He changed our heart. He dwells in me. He who is love lives in me. He first loved us, therefore we ought to. It should just be a natural flow. Love of Christ coming in, the love of Christ going out. We shouldn't be able to contain it. You want to experience more of His love, love people more. The river just keeps flowing. And he finishes this chapter in verses 20 and 21, he says, If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother. Now, don't look for an escape clause here. I don't hate him. I just don't like him. I don't treat him well. That's not what it means. You're supposed to love him. Love him. If you don't love your God, if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. We should love our brothers, our sisters in Christ also. A whole bunch of reasons, but primarily, that's how we spread the gospel. That's how the love of Christ attains its ultimate purpose in our lives. When we love other people. You know, at Christmas, it's kind of always fun. Well, most of the time. It depends on our families, right? But, you know, everybody's happier most of the time around the Christmas season. And then now what do they do? They all go into the blues, right? The world's going to get depressed now. Christmas is over. The presents aren't under the tree, so the anticipation's gone. The reality of what it is is now there. And it wasn't that good. It didn't fulfill my greatest needs. We're always looking for something to fulfill our needs. And when we're concerned or worried, we're not going to get it or we're going to lose something, fear creeps in. Perfect love casts out fear. You and I can't love anybody perfectly, so that obviously isn't referring to that. 
What it's referring to is when we have the perfect love of God living in us, we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. What would your life look like on a day-to-day basis if you didn't have to walk in fear? Fear of something. Well, the reality is you don't have to. Let's pray together. Lord, I just pray like Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, for me and for each one of us here, that that you would grant according to the riches of your glory that we would be strengthened with power through your Holy Spirit in our inner man so that Christ may dwell in my heart, our hearts, through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend that we, God, would be able to comprehend with all of the saints the breadth, the length, the height, and depth of your love and to know that love the love that surpasses all human knowledge and understanding and as Paul completed that the fullness fullness of God may dwell in each one of us Lord I pray that for each one of us here that we would embrace by faith your love And you would extend to us the grace to live that love out with other people in our church, other believers, wherever we would meet them. Lord, I pray that we would be a body of believers. That anybody, anyone, under any circumstances, no matter what condition they may be in, whatever they might look like or smell like, they could walk into this church and they would be loved and embraced by the love of Christ. And Lord, we would take that same attitude everywhere we go. That this would all be accomplished by your spirit, by the grace that you extend to us, and that it would be accomplished for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.